Hello everybody, and welcome back to Frame Rate. I'm one of your hosts, Abe Epperson, and I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, whose name is... Michael Swaim, who would like to be introduced by Abe Epperson, which was already stated. <laughs> yeah, who would like to be introduced by... Oh, shit. No, um, that's not right. So, yeah, this is not right. We're always off to bad starts. Also, we never can sh- do a fucking intro correctly. It's the show where we rate frames. God, also. thank God, because I was like, we usually do something. Oh, yeah, it's that. We do We something. rate frames. <laughs> uh, so you clicked on the clicker thingy, God, and you awful. know what this is. Uh, but I want to introduce a special guest because he's always special in my heart. Uh, Daniel O'Brien, say hi to everybody. Hello, and as long as we're we're naming who we'd like to be introduced by, I'd like to be introduced by Paul Reiser. <laughs> Paul? Oh, yeah. Like a whiplash type situation where yeah. he's introducing you, but he knows he's sending you to a fate that may be harsher than he intended. Yeah, do that. Do, <laughs> sorry, do I'm that. sorry, I'm listening to uh, Paul. He's in the other room. Wow, that what an introduction! Good, good, really. Good yeah. I wish you, you guys jump on it. Paul Reiser's inarguably most famous role, Dad from yeah. Whiplash. <laughs> yes, Dad from Whiplash. <laughs> impressive. Ten Quite lines. Quite impressive, Paul. Outstanding. And the award-winning Daniel O'Brien. Oh yeah. Who, Thank you. Oh yeah. Who awards oh, yeah. Emmys? So today, all right, kittens, we're mm-hmm. talking uh, about a what? movie. Yeah. We're t- and it's called In the Loop, and it's uh, from two thousand and nine and it uh it is directed by the very hilarious armand yanucci who some people might know that name because he made in america the tv show veep along with others that we'll talk about after this uh, i wanted to quickly throw sh- shout out to our uh one of our patrons who brought us this title uh his name Throw it, shout, throw shout out. <laughs> I'm going to sh- shout it and I'm going to throw it. Zach Schwartz, thank you so much for your patronage. He's oh, the yeah. one who chose this. Uh, he also and it gave us uh, several Synecdoche, other films to cover. New York, and Four Lions. And Four both, Lions, that's right. When, when, both good w- films. When the patrons make their picks, do they include any information? Like, is there room for them to say, here's why, or, I, or anything like that? It's what um, they want to do. Uh, he said specifically, I'm pretty agnostic about the guest, uh, which is one. a first. Although uh, for Four Lions, he said Robert Evans, which is a solid pick because yeah. it's about extremism. Uh, although I see overlap between Four Lions and In the Loop. Like I'm mm-hmm. getting a fix on Zach's taste. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and uh, Synecdoche, New York, I got to say, I just truly thank you, Zach Schwartz, because I had seen that film and I love Charlie Kaufman but I hadn't had a reason to rewatch it with a critical eye. And I think I agree with our guest on that episode. It's, it's the best movie. It's the best movie, but we're not talking about that movie. No, we're not. <laughs> but thank you to Zach who made me rewatch it. And I'm very yeah. grateful. Listen to that frame rate. If you want yeah. that, cause I didn't care for that movie. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So I don't want to give it any more time. <laughs> I do like this film and, uh, I did want to give a little bit of background to people. Um, because it's kind of a weird one in terms of like how it was kind of created, which was In the Loop is kind of broadly a TV movie, even though it was released in theaters. Um, And it's based off a TV show, the British BBC TV show called uh, The Thick of It. Uh, And by loosely, I mean that there are some of the ensemble cast reprising their roles. Uh, You don't need to watch the TV show 
though it does give you a flavor of the characters more, you get to live in that space. Uh, they do a pretty good job of, um, in the film, making sure you know everything you need to know about all these characters. Oh, and I what agree. Because I'm aware yeah. of In the Thick of It as a comedy person, but I haven't yet sat down and watched it. And yet, it's a good show. It's very easy to follow. And I, if you've seen Veep, you, you haven't the, seen yeah. it, but uh, I think you're familiar with the kind of thing we're talking about, like how a Sorkin is a Sorkin. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Four Lions, was Four Lions also, I mean, they're both BBC, but was Four Lions a made-for-TV thing? No, I think that was just a straight-up pitch to feature. Okay, because okay, it feels, it's interestingly structured. It feels like... Uh, it almost feels like a very long episode of TV. And I didn't actually know there was an outgrowth of In the Thick of It. Question, is the Scottish dude who's the master of Burns... Yeah. Um, Peter Capaldi. Is it? Yes. Mal- Malcolm Thank Tuck. you. Yeah. Is, he, is he literally, like, does he exist in In the Thick of It? Yes. Verse? Oh, so he there, is. There are yeah. two characters from In the Thick of It who are also, or main characters from In the Thick of It who are also in this movie, and it's Pete Capaldi's Malcolm Tucker and Paul Higgins' Jamie McDonald. And the, a lot of the rest of the cast were in the show, but they're not playing the exact parts that they were playing, but they're playing similar parts. And yeah. okay. that was things that I learned after reading about the movie, after watching it. Um, but there was something... I did know that it was a spinoff of sorts from Thick of It. And the only time where that really seemed uh, like there was something that... Not that I was missing, but that I would get more enjoyment if I was a TV watcher, was the scene when Jamie and Malcolm Tucker were both double teaming with insults on Simon Forster. Because that's just like, there's such a clear electricity there and Jamie gets no real introduction. He just shows up and they're just like two sides of the same coin batting around these idiots like (laughs) cats with mice. And I'm like, this must be really special for, for, for devoted fans. It's still very fun for me, but, but I I can recognize when I'm, I'm missing an added layer of, of coolness. Yeah. Also, how he shits on Toby just constantly. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, he's just a Rolodex uh, of I think just insults. Peter Capaldi uh, shitting on Toby the first time, calling him Ron Weasley when he's so obviously <laughs> Harry Potter. It's like yeah. clearly Harry it's Potter. an added layer of disrespect that is just so fucking delicious that I never would have well, even thought of as a writer. The That's, moment the moment that made me think that this was like written with me specifically in mind or I felt seen or whatever is when he says to him uh they're trying to figure out who was the leak and he goes was it you the baby from a racer head <laughs> i was like what a pull Jesus. you like the nazi yeah, like julie andrews <laughs> yeah. uh yeah he's got a if you want to see one of the most ruthless takedowns uh from the thick of it you can go on youtube just search malcolm tucker star wars i love that it is okay. one of the greatest things because it's like that one that fucking film you love and he's like talking to toby and like trying to explain star wars and he doesn't understand star wars so it's like a motif that he forgets pop culture yeah. but he just assumes that toby knows and he's like the one with the fucking bear in the trash can talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he's just full of him right it's well so and if great. you've seen veep you know which this obviously yeah. is a precursor to it's lauded for creative insults 
And I gotta say, In the Loop is even a cut above Veep. I yeah. thought, in that category, the creative insults were truly fucking... I'm like, I see why Iannucci has a, a reputation for this, for being funny for creative insults after seeing In the Loop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll... we'll Throughout this podcast, we'll just sure. throw out, throw them out. Uh, as we t- typically do when we have a guest, uh, can you? This one's a tough one, but uh, Daniel, can I ask you to give like real cliff notes of like what this movie is about? Sure, it's it's about a bunch of uh, bumbling, cynical, hateful politicians uh, across England and America. Uh, sort of stumbling their way into uh the Iraq war I want to say and there there are <laughs> are people on I would say the, the majority of our quote unquote heroes do not want to go to war but you've got guys on the American side like David Rash who definitely seems to want to and Malcolm Tucker who I I don't know if he wants to go to war but that's certainly the side that he's working for I don't really get the sense that he um Cares about cares anything? About anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, but doing his job. Right. But so there's this new minister who sort of kicks things off, and this is Tom Hollander's character, Simon Forster, who, uh, in a radio appearance, says his stance on war is that it's unforeseeable, which gets a lot of people thinking, "Oh man, that's like, if you ask someone is war coming, you hope that they say no, and when they say unforeseeable, that's some bet hedging that's going to, of course, raise some eyebrows." He later walks that statement back, but it's a little bit too late for that because there are these Americans like in David Rash who want to use that statement to get like an international allegiance for the pro-war effort. Uh, meanwhile, there is, uh, shoot, what's the American woman? Her real name is Mimi. What is she, Karen? Karen, oh my God, Karen I'm Clark, be no help the U.S. With Karen, yeah, yeah, the uh, U.S. Uh, Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Thank you. Um, she is very anti-war, and she flagged something in a report that was uh, a part that was written by her staffer uh, Liza, and it mentions that there's not really good cause for war. There's uh, we have one source, and it's a guy by the name of Iceman, and it's shaky at best, and there are a lot of reasons not to trust this source and a lot of reasons not to go to war and she's bringing that up as like this is this seems pretty cut and dry we have no cause to go to war so then it becomes uh this document by the way that's so crucial to the film's plot is called Pwip Pip Pwip Pip yes <laughs> Pwip Pip uh so then it just becomes uh a, a clash of all of these characters with their with their competing agendas of should we go to war shouldn't we go to war and then just doing like all of the just the things that make you lose faith in in government where it's just the major decisions happen by a bunch by like this den of vipers double crossing each other and cheating and lying and the ultimate conclusion is that we do go to war and uh like the minister just says well that's that like that like that's his literally yeah. his 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 final thoughts on uh, American and British intervention in a war that he inadvertently caused by being a bad radio guest and setting off a chain of events that uh, was really difficult to follow. So I'm, I apologize that Abe said, uh, give me the Cliff Notes plot. And now it's been 40 minutes. 
it is <laughs> i actually thought you did very very well i you. thought um it, it is a very i think part of it is uh how convoluted it is kind of like it's yes. super dense farce. it feels like watching a season of er or something compressed into one or west wing yeah. i guess is a better reference compressed into one film length thing yeah like a season arc yeah and there's everything is done by innuendo and like a lot of people every time another person walks into a room they come with like well this is the nuance i want to treat the situation with so i'm not going to exactly say it outright other people are saying it outright so you're unsure of exactly what is the truth uh, which is a great space to, as Yanucci does typically, as he does in Veep, uh, you know, plays his catalog of, you know, cowards and corrupt, you know, spin doctors. It's satire, baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's good old fashioned satire. I feel like he's almost, I don't want to insult Yanucci, but I feel like it's like um, good political cartoons although political cartoons have become so hacked there's never been but, a, there's not been a single good political cartoon in a hundred right. years yeah so maybe i retract that <laughs> but west wing was decent, and it feels like to me it very much felt like west wing if instead of going america matters democracy matters wow this is really something he's really something it was like rolling your eyes while saying those things Oh yeah, America really matters. Democracy really matters. But it's just as engaging as a West Wing or an ER, where I did find myself not even following necessarily the intricacies of, let's say, why it's called in the loop, for example, or um, who was on what side why. But goddamn, it's just it keeps moving so quickly, and it's such a joke machine. And it feels like it either overlaps with or was seminal to so many things I love, like The Office, yeah. like Veep, and on and on, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it is uh, it is satire at its best in a way that uh, me, as someone with no government experience whatsoever, I watch it and I'm like, yep, that's how it happens. He nailed it. That's how I believe it yeah. happens based on what he told me. Yeah, it uh, does have that verisimilitude. Like it, it, but it's because we don't know, yeah. you know. Um, but it does take like you. You assume that people are taking advantage of people, and kind of one of the late Act Three, if we even want to call it that. It's probably closer to like an Act Five when because they probably. That's what's it like interesting TV. is it's structured like it's structured strangely. It's so interesting. It 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 feels <clears throat> like a TV. Yeah. It's just like, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, yeah. we're out of time. That's the end of the thing. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Abe, what was the thing you are going to bring up? Because I want to see if it's the same uh, thing well, that I would bring up. Well, I was going to I was gonna mention that like they, they take advantage of each other to the point that it is necessary for them to go back on things that they called for like literally 45 minutes ago, like moving the meeting up so that they can like release it before the quit pip releases and then they realize that they're just going to straight up be corrupt <clears throat> and alter put yeah. like as a document and just t cut things out Which is, and make no therefore you, know, you no one well argued against the, the war now yeah yeah because yeah, <laughs> tony blair has said that we're going to war so i guess now everything is we're going to war so it's the it kind of has that real like 
you can't help but even though it was made in 2009 you can't help but like draw the parallels and i'm just taking this from you know like what you were saying mike just about how it's kind of feels like the salient satire or dan how are you were talking about how it like i don't know how it works but i assume how it works as we're dealing with like an impeachment it's like sometimes it feels like that might be close to the truth even though once again we don't know uh but we just find that people just like toe the line or they do tor terrible things uh in order to get things quote unquote done and it's just like jesus man right <laughs> and is that is that corruption. the same insight you were thinking of Daniel? no mine was a different thing but let's talk about that for for a while because i oh okay. i will say that the um the deleting deletion from that document of objections to going to war and changing the name of the source from <laughs> Iceman to WC. That's the only thing that I thought was too far, not too far for the movie. It's perfect escalation of satire for the movie. Uh, but that's the thing, right. like the same way when you get into season five of the wire and they're inventing their own serial killer. That's where I'm like, okay, everything else about the wire was real. This, I don't, I, 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 this I don't think this happen. would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a knock yeah. against the movie, certainly. Again, that's like well, like everything else. Was there, everything else that they did, I feel like, yeah, people who are in government like being in government. There are a lot of people on low levels who are genuinely there to help people, and a lot of people right. who got into it to help people. But a lot of the people at the, at the the top, they want to keep their jobs, and they want to be on committees, and they 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 want to win at everything, and that's sort of what they're doing. There's no talk of uh, anyone like helping. Their people. Is this good? What we're doing? No, no, yeah. not at all. They're just like they're and just trying to beat each other and win and stay in government in this strange government bubble where like hardly anyone is like out loud saying this is about going to war. It's just like it's, well, and that's it's just the, talking about this meeting I mean, and this the, vote. I'm really bad with the names of both the characters and actors on this, but uh, worse than usual. But. The uh, the befuddled secretary who says we must climb the mountain of conflict. Uh, Simon. He, thank you, Simon. It's he's the only one, and of course gets completely compromised, which I think is such a great arc because he basically is like, he, yes, it's my career. Oh, I fucked up, but remember, this is war. People are gonna die. Uh, this is what I join politics to not do or to oppose uh, a bunch of innocent people are going to die in a thing that I don't think is strictly necessary, et cetera, et cetera. And by the end, it's just, just do what we say. Yeah. Like you're fucked. There's nothing you can do. Just do what we say. And he says, that's that. And I was wondering if you guys have had that moment in your life where, Oh, when I pushed us into the war. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's talked about it's talked about a lot when you realize your parents aren't flawless, but I still it took me to like age 25 to realize really in my bones that everyone's human and fallible and like fallible a lot of the time or like tired or hungry or doing a bad job or distracted. And it's like, even doctors. Yeah. Even policemen. Oh yeah. Like there's <laughs> nothing. And it's so easy as a human to just justify a lot of actions by saying, well, when I reach X, Y, Z level, I'm going to do good stuff. So this is all justified. And I just think of, I think of this now, I will in the future. I think of movies like Burn After Reading. And I just think they key into something that's very true and very human. And I was wondering if you guys have had that adult moment where you're like, I barely know what I'm doing. 
and I'm considered an adult now? That's bad. This is crazy. <laughs> All the time. I mean, I remember going into, like, uh, like maybe it's, I, I find that, like, sometimes life is just a series of, especially when you're dealing with, like, I don't know, creative types, because that's, like, kind of how I see my life is dealing with mm-hmm. one kind of creative interaction uh, to another, to another, to right, another. Right, and all creative types uh, are perpetually my- uh, children. Yeah, and it's it's that, like, so I don't know when it happens. It just kind of constantly rehappens. But this, this kind of feeling of when I was, like, in film school, for example, and um, I recently re- I w- recently got to watch the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, there's a sequence where it's, like, there's this Artur TV director. And it just reminded me so much, not of a specific person at film school, but just the idea that everyone is so like desperately trying to grab at something that they can identify as like a voice that it's not that they're lying to themselves, but they're so putting on a show in order to like convince themselves really that they are the one to do this. That they the are voice the perfect is authentic. child, you know, and that do, by doing so it, always feels false and it always makes me go like but what is that like why are why are you doing that uh but i understand because it's hard to constantly try to straddle a line of like you're not worth it and you're the best person for the job how do you live in that paradox um and it's i think mike said it well like it's it's kind of sad but it's very much something that's very human everyone's within it and yeah, Malcolm Tucker is an enigma to me because he that's the one character that I couldn't get inside of. He's just a machine, but there's never even the slightest hint of why he cares or like why he's so passionate well, about he's the enforcer continuing for in his Blair. path. I just don't get him. Uh, he just does what he does and he won't stop. I mean, that's a uh, just because this is... We're, we're having this conversation in uh, smack dab in the middle of impeachment hearings right now yeah and uh we had this conversation come up at work recently because there are all these um uh republican politicians who as as far as i know a few years ago were just like normal and now there there mm-hmm. are so many people who are like sucking up to president trump and uh going so far as to like adopt trump speak like they're just like using the same language yeah. that he does and mm-hmm. i understand why they're they're doing it because they know there are ramifications if they turn on on the boss like they might lose their seat but when you you see how far they're willing to go it really makes me think like is it that good being a senator is it like really that fucking are the perks so high that you'd rather do that than go to the (laughs) private sector and make a lot of money i don't understand and that's what you see on display on veep and also in the loop and i imagine the thick of it these people who are just like i'm here and this is my job and this job gives me power and i get to go to the nice parties and i've decided that's the only thing that matters to me that i'm going to compromise everything about myself i'm going to throw out my morals because this is more important than anything else and it's very confusing to me and i think there's some sunk cost fallacy like well i said i was going to do this and i found out this detail and this detail and this detail and they all suck but I said I was going to do this. Like, what am I going to do? Not do what I said I was going to do? <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's, yeah. As it's, examinations of that go, this is one of the best. It's very sharp. The only thing that I cannot give for is that the structure is 
amorphous. And as an avid film viewer, that feels so weird yeah. to me. But it's very BBC. I see a lot of BBC stuff that makes me go, huh, that was a weird structure. I would say st- st- like formally. structurally, one of the things that threw me the most, or I guess narratively, this would be, it would be better to call it narratively, is um, you you meet Toby right in the beginning and he is brought in as the new guy. This is the the new guy. He's starting. It's his first day. And mm. uh, he is also a shitty person. That's once I realized that he was like well, a, a scumbag yeah. pretty, pretty immediately. Like he wasn't corrupted by the system over time. He started out pretty shitty. No. And I was like, same. That's, that's, I was so conditioned that's not, by American television. That's not the rules yeah. of new guy. The rules of new guy yeah. is I follow him and he's sweet <laughs> and he's my, my way in. He gets shot down and you're like, well, we all get shot down sometimes. Buck up, buddy. <laughs> but this was like, there's a few scenes where he doesn't happen to say shitty shit to people. So I, as an American viewer of traditional American style film, you're like, oh, that's the guy. Yeah. All right. Latching on. <laughs> and then he's like immediately joins in on bashing on everyone. Uh, being full on corrupt to get out of any kind right. of obligation. He leaks. He leaks to CNN about the the war meetings. He yeah. cheats on his girlfriend immediately, God. and then throws anyone around him under the bus when they're trying to find the leak. Yeah, it's uh, because I think it's the idea is that. Well, you get the feeling that at the beginning he is like taken aback by like the speech that's being used in that first scene. So it's not like you're not seeing someone who's from the get-go a shitty person. Maybe in their heart they're a shitty person, but they don't approach life like outwardly shitty. They just they're start aggressive. mimicking. That doesn't mean they're not shitty. Yeah, it, like they just start mimicking Malcolm Tucker because they go, "Oh, the culture's this." That's yeah. my. Well, boss. I gotta succeed. Yeah. So I guess I got to like drop some F-bombs. Everyone in, across the board. It's a show, It's a movie that only contains characters that would totally change themselves and sell their souls to succeed. So, that, yeah, there's no one that's immune from like, oh, everyone's doing that. I guess I'll do that. Well, they're all being dicks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a dick. That's, I guess, how yeah. it is. Yeah, and they're petty when it doesn't go well for them. I love that one sequence uh, with Tom Hollander, who plays Simon Foster. The uh, he, he's like <laughs> he's in the car and he's like, "Is it not the braver yeah. thing to <laughs> so not?" I, I, I love like, the follow up to that when he's talking to Toby because in the in that scene he's trying to to logic his way into keeping his job despite being the uh, inadvertent architect of the war. Uh, and so he's just doing, like, weighing pros and cons, like, isn't it brave if I stay and I don't resign? Isn't that braver than, like, resigning because of my morals? And Toby's like, maybe. And the his other assistant, or his other aide is like, no, it's not. It's not braver. And yeah. then, but not like, angrily. Not angrily just She's like, just no. like, no, no, scratch that. Like, take that not. off the list. And then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> later, <laughs> Simon talking to Toby, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to talk about this this resignation conversation again. And Toby's like, again? He's like, yeah, but 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 just with you, not with with her. Just, I want to have this conversation with someone who agrees with me. <laughs> it's such a yeah, fun right. doing the right thing, thing is so easy. Knowing you'll be right in retrospect, isn't it braver in a way to do the thing you know is wrong? And then, and then, 
Yeah, go ahead, Abe. Well, I was just gonna say to finish that beat. I love like the one, two, three of that. Like the then cut to a little later when James Gandolfini, who plays a Lieutenant General George Miller, who's like a military assistant uh, to the Secretary of Defense, and uh, he is telling him he's just he's like I'm not. Uh, so Simon says I'm not going to resign. So that's that's been leaked as well, and. Uh, like he's like no you're gonna resign wait so are you an idiot like why are are, are you smart for playing this game of not resigning or resigning like what are you do- oh you're an idiot <laughs> you're just an idiot and then he calls him then he's like he says like you're like worse than a suicide bomber basically <laughs> no he because- says uh i'm i'm gonna i'm doing this against my will and it's gonna destroy everything like a suicide bomber bomber. and he goes no not like a suicide bomber a suicide bomber makes a decision (laughs) yeah and then cut to a little like after that where he's in a room alone with his thoughts and someone walks in is like what's going on he's like i'm thinking about becoming a suicide bomber (laughs) like he is and we know what that means we know what that it means to him he's like i'm gutless Mm. And he just unhinged me in a single line. Like he just told me that I I don't even make decisions. What am I? I'm just like a yes man. Uh, Because that's what he is. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Just before we move off it, the same scene where he says, isn't it braver to do the wrong thing? (laughs) Right after that, the bit is uh, a bit I wrote. So I have to like get it out. Wars sometimes work. There are good wars. The war for independence worked for the, for the Americans, <laughs> which is obviously this is a British film. So that yeah. it wouldn't the be Caribbean a joke. Otherwise. We got but nurses. Nurses are good. Nurses are good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, when he cheats on his girlfriend, take all of your shit and your clothes and your eighth of dope and your flute <laughs> and get the fuck out. It's, it's, uh, yeah, if it's, it's extremely accessible. It fits like I didn't realize how I was a little nervous to watch it thinking that like I wouldn't be politically savvy enough to enjoy it or that it would be very dry. And it's the yeah. opposite of that. And I don't know. I was scared having seen Veep. It's very Veep like it's very office like what's mm-hmm. this Gabe is in it. That's that's right. And Zach, there's Zach a Toby Wolf. that everyone yeah. hates. Yeah. So you're halfway there. Uh, there's also a little um, parts and wreck in there mm-hmm. when um, Minister Foster goes back to like have like a, a town hall with his constituents, I guess, where it's just sort of like the parade of freaks who have their, their strange issues, which gives us Steve oh, Coogan yeah. <laughs> as the guy who's like, hey, your, your, your wall is, is falling down and it's going to crash into my yard and crush my my mom's greenhouse so you got to do something about that and it's like a a perfect i I think a very necessary subplot of just yeah also they're not paying attention to their constituents like this is a very steve steve coogan's over the top but he's not an insane person and this is a very easy fix that like if you as a politician allegedly what you got into politics for was to care about your constituents and this is his least favorite part of the job, and he doesn't do it, and it ultimately is what gets him fired. No, That's what I found the most confusing. The so is that the situation? Is that his political opponents who want him removed because of the war situation, they use the fact that he never tended to that wall as like, well, we'll just blow no, that Tuck, out, Tucker out is of not, proportion. Tucker's not a, a, a political opponent. Um because he's not really aligned to anything. He's just 
He knows that. No, he's just like a yeah, fixer. It will look bad for his party if the guy who inadvertently led them into war resigned in protest. Because that that would look great for Simon. Simon to so, go out there. Okay, and be like, that's I, the I, one plot point I did. Resigning get. because they're gonna say, "Oh, it's because of the wall." The yeah, like wall. you don't get to resign out of protest. You get fired because you fucked up this wall, you idiot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I bet uh, that man Steve Coogan is just like such a fucking institution. Yeah. Any important British yeah. comedy that was made while he's alive, he's like, "Let me get in there." I'll do. I'll be a key figure do, in there. He's Give doing the news story. And then uh, uh, if my mom's in there, she's gonna get crushed under that wall. How old's your mom? I'm sixty. Uh, You're not fucking sixty. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Armand Iannucci, uh, like one of his big breaks was that he was, he worked on Alan Partridge. Like he was a writer for that early days. I gotta so, say to Frame Rate fans. Uh, Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, is on the film list, so we will cover it someday when someone picks it. I think that movie is so goddamn funny. <laughs> yeah. Hamlet 2 as well. Hamlet 2 is on the list, too. Steve Coogan is an international treasure, <laughs> mm-hmm. without question. Um, Danu, you have a... Or at least we chose you because I heard from Abe that he heard... Do you have a special love for Yanucci? And I'd love to give you some space to just elucidate what we love about him, why you I mean, love I think him. there are, there are much bigger Yanucci heads than I am out here. As I said, this is the first time <laughs> sure. I saw this movie. Um, they can't be what they nope. call themselves. Nooches. Uh, <laughs> the Nooches. Um, I, I loved Veep so much, and I like it for a lot of the same reasons that I like this. And wh- one of the things that you mentioned earlier and a lot of people say is is what a master he is at the art of profane insults and uh how you surely he won't have any more and then more creative ones come but separate from that i think what what in that conversation gets buried a little bit is his ability to craft uh unique bastards like like veep starts with a core cast of like eight pieces of shit and Gary and then <laughs> yeah. they bring in someone new and you think it's going to be like oh what Diedrich Bader what's he going to be just like another version of Gary Cole no he's a completely different piece of shit and they 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 did that for years and years just like inventing new assholes somehow and uh yeah. you think you get tired of it and 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 you you, yeah. you don't <laughs> like- and you know who grinds my gears? This type of person. You're like, how have we not yeah, done I this just, yet? I, That's his, true. His, it's just a <laughs> bottomless well of monsters that only he has access to. And it's so impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that's right. So delightful to see Sam Richardson yeah. on there, too. Join the <laughs> cast of fucking monsters. <laughs> yeah. I also love that Zach Woods yes. is in this. Yes. And the, like... Playing an asshole. I do think a hallmark of the comedy of our generation will be the Toby factor. And I'm referring to Toby from The Office now, Flenderson. But the, like, character that everyone inexplicably hates. And it's interesting to see it get traded around and become a staple of sitcoms and then fade away. But... Uh, I, I didn't realize the importance of Iannucci, I don't think, until I saw this film. In the... Everything's phasal, but we're definitely in a phase, and maybe we're on the tail end of it now, but of, like, insults are funny, 
fucking just hating someone that's funny and comedy is very topical and it moves very quickly but i think there's some kind of like if i still worked at cracked i'd write an article about all the tobies and what does that mean why are we doing that? yeah there's also like it's this will uh hopefully come as a, a surprise to anyone who's ever met me or 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 followed me is that i would love to live in a world where you could be that mean to each other just because really that is surprising i remember this about you it's not about about being mean like i don't want to hurt anyone the the reason that i like the, the this world and also a lot of sorkin's world is that the rules of that universe is that no one is like friendships are never broken you know like Toby will say something mean to uh, fucking Rob Lowe's character, whatever stupid name, Sam. Withering. Whatever. Yeah. Like just mean like, to the extreme right, degree. Like very personal <laughs> and mean. And they just like shrug it off and walk away. Like the part of me that uh, is uh, a, a writer and, and be a lover of words and see someone who tries to think lover of words. Fuck me. Uh, see <laughs> someone who, who uh, yes. tries to think quick on his feet. Like it would be cool if I could just like walk around and like zing my friends and they could zing me just in like a very oh banter very lethal way, but it doesn't matter and no one's hurt. Yeah, I want that carte blanche too, just because it feels like such a it's like a canvas, but at the same time, it's it's not real, but it also could be real, and like that is not worth it, you know. So you don't do it. No, it Uh, it would get real 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 fast. Yeah, it could get real, real. And then it's a real big problem because, like, if you go too far, now you're that guy. And you're like, ah, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. And, like, they just have repercussions, so you just can't touch it. But you want someone to come at you with it, too. Yeah, no, I want it to be Uh, a give and take. Especially in this... Oh, Yeah, exactly. I want it to be... I I want it to be like this movie. I could want... I'm a sensi. I wouldn't want someone to come at me in this universe we exist in where I have feelings and I think my social, like... Uh, propinquity matters but if I lived I agree with Daniel that if I was like in a universe where it was an accepted rule of society that it's like look we're all political operatives everyone calls everyone a cunt and that's just the way it is then I would delight in being very clever but like but I don't live in that world someone calls me something terrible and I go oh man and you clutch your pearls the the closest I came to it because you go fuck you man fuck you I'm gonna make you feel this with my sadness a general flintstone which is the best name (laughs) for James Gandolfini I've ever heard oh my god that tete-a-tete that they have is straight up like that's the most ruthless section of the whole thing right (laughs) i'm sorry to derail the meeting but um you appear to be bleeding from the teeth (laughs) it's also very very funny if we if you haven't seen it and we haven't made that clear yet (laughs) what do you think of me do you think i'm some kind of monster as she's bleeding from from her tissues yeah stuffed please don't say things that imply i'm a monster (laughs) like a fucking mouth (laughs) mummy also i think there's (laughs) i mean everyone in it is is very good but there's a couple of things to watch out for if you've if you like me have never seen peter capaldi in anything except youtube clips that have been recommended to you absolutely watch this fucking movie He's 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 yeah. just a force. He's just this bug-eyed monster who's always set at eleven, and he's just so incredibly watchable. And 
the other actor that really jumped out to me was Tom Hollander, who played Simon, who uh, mm-hmm. I've always liked. I've seen him in a bunch of things. He was uh, very funny in About Time, and he was, like, uh, perfectly cast as, like, sniveling British bad guy in Pirates of the Caribbean. And he does it so well yeah. that you think, yeah, that's that's who you are. And he does a similar turn as uh, a high-ranking Nazi in Valkyrie. And it's like, yeah, you're like... You're like a, a a little guy with a mean face, and you were born to play these like uh, the rebels. Uh, they're here. Those roles. Yeah, That's what you yeah. were designed for. Right. But he's. I'd fight you. But he's sure. so fucking funny and stupid in this. It's really great, and I don't know why he's not in more comedies. He's also one of the best. He's in the best scene of John Adams the miniseries because he plays you King love George. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he just stares. King George III also uh, sniveling, yeah. <laughs> pipsqueak, yeah, British yeah. asshole. Yeah, uh, he is a powerful actor, and like his range is like he's sleepy. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I'm like. I, I feel like we we've we've been we've been sleeping on him. That that now that I now that I saw this, I'm, I've been sleeping on him. Now that I saw this movie that came out in 2009, I was like, hey, this guy's funny. <laughs> you should put him in more movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, has. I mean, I'm sure commenters will answer if none of us can. What's Capaldi's... What's his deal? He's Doctor Who now. He's Doctor Who now. Yeah. Oh, man, I just lost all my nerd cred for not knowing that, but I'm happy to know that. Because he also was just like... I understand that it's a vehicle for him, but at the same time, I'm like, and he crushed it. Yeah. Good job, Capaldi. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to exhaust. I have a question, but first I'm going to exhaust because we incidentally went through all my favorite lines except for two. So I'm going to exhaust my line shout outs and then I have an, an open-ended question. Um, when, so the guy who plays Debussy constantly... I think it... No, it's not Capaldi. It's the guy who kicks the fax machine to death. He yells, how about for a start, turn the fucking music off. It's just fucking vowels. (laughs) That was was my... It's just fucking... That's the... How has nobody said that before? That's... It's also so British. The humor in this is so British. foreign vowels. The idea of heightening burning someone... To like a Dorothy Parker esque, like a crystal and art form, yeah. To describe opera as just fucking vowels. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Vowels. I'm gonna burn opera. <laughs> yeah, and then I also love. We already discussed the fact that the like the wishy washy secretary eventually gets pushed into just going along with the war against his explicit beliefs and all the reasons he got into this. And I just like one of his protests when they go, uh, uh, James Gandolfini goes like, no, you're not. You're going to fucking quit. You're going to get fired because of fucking this. He goes, but I'm me. You're not me. I decide about all the main <laughs> all things, the main things. to do with me. <laughs> the main and they're like, no, you fucking don't. And the height of satirical existentialism in that is just truly something beautiful to me to play the chessboard in the way where your characters can get to a point where they're saying things like, don't I decide (laughs) the main things about me though? And they go, no, you don't. And you're like, oh, this is some Kafka shit. (laughs) This whole time I thought I was the Uh, main guy. Turns out, no. Yeah. 
It's yeah. for something so funny. It has a lot in common with 1984 and Animal Farm and stuff. It's also like truly disturbing. Yeah, I mean they're all monsters, but like so the comedy comes from that. One of my favorite back and forces between uh, uh, Gandolfini and uh, Karen Clark, the uh, the character, where he's t- they're talking about Gore Vidal. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, do you uh, know the, the do you know one? I'm the Gore Vidal of the Pentagon. I'm a voracious reader, and she's like, "Gore's gay." No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. I beg to differ, but he's gay because I've been seeing that Gore Vidal line. He is gay. Guess better I better stop, stop saying, saying that. that then. <laughs> like he, I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean that it's a win? It doesn't mean anything. The same thing kind of happens later when him and Malcolm are talking about like, and if you call me English one more time because he's Scottish. And then he walks away, like, he's like, I'll fucking kill you. And then he walks away, and then the camera just moves back to James Gandolfini, who's yeah. just confused, because he doesn't know the difference between, right. but you're English, <laughs> right? No, no, he's Scottish. You're thinking, the word you're thinking of is British. <laughs> and it's just, like, one of those things where it's just, like, so they're all fools on different yeah. levels. They're all assholes on different levels. They kind of learn things, but they're still not... They're still not never going to make well, it out. And no one cowards. can know everything. And yet they all share in common that they're immediately willing to write someone off because they're like, you don't know that thing that I yeah. know. Fuck yeah, you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is just super myopic of a worldview. But here we are. Did you guys find that Hollywood was like more stereotypically Hollywood than you expected it to be when you got into the industry? Um. Like, Abe, do you remember that guy we met at Comic-Con who bragged about being at the Sky Bar and was clearly on cocaine and shit? Yeah, I do, kind of. But they all kind of blur together, the, you know, party producers. I guess I just feel like life is turning out to present more stock characters to me than I thought actually existed in real life. I assumed it was exaggerated. I think cliches are exaggerated, but there's truth behind it. I mean, there's... Without naming names, there's people that we've met that it's just like, I don't understand why you would say that. Like, why? <laughs> why, why, why do you make <laughs> Alex Schmidt? Uh, why do you make that about you in a moment that wasn't about you or something like that? And then you realize, oh, it's because there's a grand insecurity there is how I internalize it. But like, that doesn't make me right. They could there could be a plethora of reasons that I don't know that make them that way. But yeah, it seems to be like uh, yeah. a kind of a facade. I just find I keep encountering the loop where I'm like, why do they do that? Oh, cause of an insecurity. Oh, that old thing where people always say that performers have an insecurity and that's why they crave attention. I always thought that was just a thing people said. Oh, it's true. <laughs> or like, sure. not in yeah, every yeah. case, not in every case, certainly. But I it really makes me curious whether political insiders and career people who work in like the mechanics and the guts of politics think in the loop and Veep is super accurate. In the way that when Scrubs was running, there were little human interest articles all over the net about like, did you know nurses and doctors actually say Scrubs is the most realistic show? And I'm like, that's terrible. I don't want to know that. Um, but I suspect that it's true. And I feel like there's something about Ian Uchi that even if it's exaggerated, feels so much more, 
I watch West Wing and I'm like, I hope it is like that. And then I watch In the Loop and I'm like, I bet it is yeah, like I that. Yeah, I mean, I probably lean towards thinking it's more like In the Loop and Veep than West Wing because uh, Aaron Sorkin is, you know, an idiot. Uh, but so am I, so I shouldn't be saying that, but like, it's how I feel, so I was saying it. Um, yeah, I, I, I do feel like we're never going to really know unless we're in it. Like, there's a lot of... Every time Veeb came out with a new season, there were articles allegedly from Washington insiders that were like, yeah, this is what it's really like. And, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and, and Mondo Yanucci and, and everybody else associated with the show has their stories about like, yeah, I was at the White House and I talked to this guy and he was like, you're the only ones who've gotten it right. Which like, if you're fucking working in Washington and you see one of the funniest shows on television, of course you're going to say, yeah, that's what, that's what it's like. We're all just that funny. Mm -hmm. We're all just walking around like, like fucking zinging each other, and and even if it makes you all seem like m m pieces of shit with no Absolutely. insides. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, what we all like, we you all agree that it's just that's the power of narrative. The yeah. power of telling a good story makes people want to. Well, that's the other thing is it makes you realize how fucking malleable you are because I keep in the scenes where. Capaldi, sorry, where Malcolm Tucker has something important to do, I find myself rooting for him so hard. Like, I want him to achieve, achieve his objective. And then I think for a second, and I'm like, I'm against his objective. Why do I want him to win? Just because he's so forceful. Like, I just want a strong person to come tell me I'm a basic bitch and tell me what to do. <laughs> All right, let's then, then yeah, let's patch in Soren. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. He's our go to for that. Yeah. Oh, no, Paul oh, Reiser good. wants to talk again. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, hey, he's very supportive. <laughs> Paul Reiser, that guy know. from Bye Bye Love? Mm -hmm. And your introduction. No, I know. I don't know Bye Bye Love. See, no, Should we see, watch that next? So, Is that good? Uh, probably not. Cody and I love it. But see, what I did was a very funny callback. So when I mentioned Paul Reiser and you went straight for Whiplash, I commented that it was mm -hmm. not his most iconic performance. And then so what I did... <laughs> <laughs> by bringing up Bye Bye Love, that. That, that three-hander of, get ready for it, Paul Reiser, Matthew Modine, and Randy Quaid. Wow, I have not heard of it, and I'm a big Quaid head. <laughs> Still? Know. Look at you guys on a different level. Here I am making jokes about an in-joke of a thing that is within our podcast, so the only <laughs> thing that people who are listening to this format would understand <laughs> And then calling back to a thing huh? that you said, which is that you, is that you, uh, I'm a good enough comedian to know that now is the perfect time to say an in the loop esque, exquisite cutting remark okay. at you, yeah. but not a good enough comedian to come up with one. Yeah. <laughs> what if I fucking really took the piss out of you right now? How would that feel? Imagine it. <laughs> I love how unhinged this is getting. Let's deconstruct. Uh, well, you know, many thanks to Zach Schwartz. I do think he has good taste in films to make us watch, but a little of it is an excuse to talk to our dear friends who yeah. we don't get to talk to enough. So we'll take eight minutes yeah. here and there throughout the hour. Did you guys see uh, Death <laughs> yeah, to Stalin yet? To just go off the rails. Did you see Death huh? to Stalin yet? That's Armando's movie from 2017, I want to say. No. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it was fairly recently. I have not Steve seen Buscemi. it. Steve Buscemi. I can't find it anywhere. 
Yeah. Really? Okay, I'm interested. On any I can't I can't find it on like Amazon or anything and I don't want to buy physical media because I'm a baby. Yeah, that's fair. Uh it was very enjoyable. I liked it. The, um Patty yeah. Considine, who I like a whole lot, Jason Isaacs, Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, uh no, he's canceled. Mm. Never yeah. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't. It's hard. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, we have a meeting every day at IGN in the mornings where we talk about, like, uh, video game news. We got to pick a video game news topic to go for the daily news show. They have daily news shows Uh on both channels, right? And an entertainment news topic. By the way, FYI, Clint Gage of Team Tiger Awesome uh, higher up in their entertainment side, so I, I walked into that job. Oh, and fantastic! Clint was he's there. He's, it was he's such a champ. Yeah. yeah, he's a wonderful person to beat by. But um, they uh, today, I found out because of this that and Daniel, you're on top of Broadway news. They're going ahead with the Michael Jackson, the big Broadway Michael Jackson musical based on Michael they Jackson are. music. I'm. Surprised! Congratulations to Ephraim, who landed the uh, a legendary Broadway performer who landed the role. I just am is I don't know. I'm taking us completely off the rails. I'm sorry, but why? What? I didn't know we were gonna. All right, I'm done. <laughs> the complexities yeah, of canceling yeah. cancel culture is what you you're alluding to. I as sound regressive, and I'm not trying to. I believe in canceling because I do believe that we've been operating at a level where we're not sensitive enough to people being oppressed. But it, it, there is a sheer level of complexity that I'm not understanding. Yeah, I don't completely know all the rules. No, abso- absolutely not. Right? And this yeah. is one where where someone could come at me with an argument that is like, look, the, this musical being put on gets X amount of people jobs and X amount of people visibility and we get to tell the story the way that we want to tell it. And it's going to be a story full of people of color. And how could you say that's a bad thing? And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then someone else could say, how could you? Yeah. How are we still glorifying Michael Jackson at this point? And I'd be like, yeah, you're right, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then someone should be like, it's not your place yeah. to say, <laughs> cis white male. And you're like, <laughs> silent. <laughs> yeah. Respectful silence. Grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting time. I love it. It's very it's weird to me that there's so much humor based on cruelty and most of it rubs me the wrong way cuz I don't yeah. relish cruelty. Uh and then there's these weird ones that slip through the radar and somehow have a feeling of I know that they don't mean it in a cruel way though. And my two examples, it used to I'd be I just had one example where I'm like I don't know why I usually don't like comedy about terrible people. Always Sunny in Philadelphia has no mm-hmm. one defensible in it. It's just a pile of shit monsters. And I really like it. I think it's really funny and endearing. And I never really find it cringy. And I don't fully like, I don't, it's magical to me that it never offends me. Whereas even South Park, I'm like, yeah. all right, guys, that's a little far sometimes. And um, Family Guy, yes. But like, uh, this now too is on my list of how can this thing that's so hateful, full of irredeemable people, 
be so endearing to me. I think in the loop is like cute. Yeah, I like, think I like it in that way. In the way you like fairly something cute. Clear fairly early on that um, no one's really going to get destroyed by this, and no one is good. Which might sound like a depressing way into a show, but it, it uh, it's it's very effective. It's a very effective turn for me that we begin with uh, Malcolm Tucker berating Simon. And then as soon as Malcolm Tucker is gone and Simon is now the person with the highest status, now he's an asshole. So it's like, okay, good. Uh, it's just a chain of assholes. No one's good. No one's going to get really destroyed by this. Uh, I don't need to feel bad for anyone. Hooray. I feel bad for so many things in my life from the people that I see on the street to people that I've known in my life to whether or not I'm purchasing eggs in the most ethical way. This is a this is an hour and forty five right. minutes where I where I don't have to feel bad about anything and it's so good. And they're not trying to convince you everyone's good, which is yeah. really hard to buy. They're just like, all right, let's say it's the other way. These people are through this screen. You don't have to feel their hatred yeah. coming at you. You can just judge them. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a good yeah. movie. I recommend it. it. Um I got to say, I'm very, very grateful for the taste of our fan base on average. Uh, I really thought Flick the Pick would devolve into forcing us to watch a bunch Mm -hmm. of bullshit. And so far, I have not felt that way at all. So thanks again to Zach Schwartz. Mm -hmm. I will say. Uh, Final thoughts, final notes. Uh, I think the, the sight gag of Karen bleeding from her teeth. Was very funny, and David Rash's line getting yes, into that and his line read was so good. Just a weird thing that never came up again. They had like a setup beat where she was like, "I think my <laughs> yeah. teeth hurt," and then in a meeting, her teeth started bleeding, and then in another meeting, David Rash says, "Don't start bleeding again," and she didn't, and that was it. And we just never figured out what was going yeah. on there. <laughs> That's there's some magic to the joke writing then in this because. We've spent a lot of time in comedy <gasps> writers' rooms, and it's hard for me to reverse engineer whoever thought of that. It's just out of yeah. left field, man. How'd you think of that? Yeah, that feels to me like something. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up my notes right now, like my scratch pad of things that I've just written mm-hmm. down, and they have no home, and I'm vamping while I I find it. Oh, this is very good because. Uh, Abe will like it. It's a line that doesn't have a home yet. It's just a tagline, milk, it's what's for bones. And that's it. And so I feel like at some point a writer wrote down, I don't mean to be rude, but your teeth are bleeding or whatever the line was. And we're just like, I don't know where this, and they were I don't know where this goes yet, but I'm going to hold on to it (laughs) and then one day put it somewhere. Yeah, I could see that. That's I've seen that happen as a microcosm. Yeah, in our rooms before. It's a part of that when you you Cody's think of the line. It's also a part of. Um, we were talking about this recently, like Dave, Tom, and I. When you like cast someone of like of note of popularity, and you're like, just say a line. Just say this line. <laughs> I just want Rivers Cuomo to say this. It's crazy that Tom Hanks is yeah. going to say this stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, but it's. It's an extension of that because that's got peppered in the fact that we all know who like that actor or that personality right. is. 
<clears throat> there are times that I just think of something and it usually just finds its way in a tweet or something like that, where it's just like, that's a dumb phrase. Like, why is this a thought? Why is this? Why can you still know what I mean when the words themselves are so far removed from anything that makes semblance yeah. of sense, you know? Yeah. And then like find some way, like, I don't think I'm going to make a whole TV show based off of milk. It's what's for bones. But you know, some of these other lines I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at in my scratch pad right now and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, let me just, why don't I just start with that and then see where it goes? <laughs> That's what I was going to say is imagine being like Eric Wareheim or Eric Andre and having the balls to go with that and build your comedy from there. Right. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. And like um, Kyle Mooney strikes me as that as well. And like Cody has that kind of bravery too. It's just interesting. Yeah, to be like, yeah, non sequitur comedy. There's something. It's like the mis, It's like the J.J. Abrams mystery box for comedy writers. Because your traditional comedy writer is enthralled by and knowledgeable in formulae, and like can talk at length about all these little tricks and rules of comedy. And there's something mystical to a veteran comedy writer about a comedian who goes. I don't know, weird shit comes in my brain and I just do yeah. it. Like a Tracy Morgan where you're like, God damn, man, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> that doesn't follow. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned Tracy Morgan because I was just re-watching random episodes of uh, 30 Rock recently and <laughs> one of the ones that got me is that they have that character who's just a repository for that kind of stuff, which is Moonvest. <laughs> Les Moonvest. Yeah. Well, not Les Moonvest, but yeah, at one point that's an arc. But uh, yeah, they just cut to him because they reference him and they need you to remember who he is uh, because they just do random cutaways to him. And it's one where someone, I think it's Kenneth, walks up to Moonvest and says something and then he just goes, Give me your fingernails. <laughs> yeah. Which is just like, someone thought of that. Someone thought a man. <laughs> yelling at kenneth give me your fingernails yeah, yeah. and it just tickled me to such a such a level it's non sequitur bones are funnier than they should be as a group <laughs> i love bone jokes you know this yeah about. yeah oh the genius camp pixar sketch grew out of i think noah burns saying we talk to your bones they want out <laughs> yeah. it's just bones is, is bones in so is, many is funny, funny lines yeah bones are very funny i am imagining myself like at age 92 talking to great grandchildren who have VR shunts in their spines. And I'm like, mm -hmm. bones, bones were very yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. We, we say stuff like yeah. consult the bones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like when we look for wisdom, uh, real weird. Yeah. Real weird. All right. Okay. If I wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we, we got the good bone. Right. Daniel, open it, it up. I'll wrap it up. Um, uh, thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. Uh, I know Daniel's style of late, so I'm going to say, Daniel, please plug Soren's new baby. Uh, uh, not due yet, uh, but I will, I will shout out Soren because a uh, friend of the pod, friend of the network, Soren Bowie, has a podcast called Quick Question with Soren and Daniel, and I'm, I'm all but court-ordered <laughs> to promote by our business guy. What did you think I meant by Soren's baby? I meant the show. <laughs> Obviously the show. <laughs> uh, check it out anywhere you, you listen to podcasts. We have advertisers now, so so they're paying attention to people who listen to it. So it's so you you mm. gotta. You just gotta. And the, is there show. bacon on that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sprinkle good. a little bacon. Right, great. A little bacon bits yeah. at the 
at random intervals. It's very fun. I would say the best part of that podcast, Soren's podcast, is the amount of times Bacon is given an opportunity to say anything and just blows it. Oh, anything yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, anything, anything engaging. Uh, yeah. We love you, Bacon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great show, man. I'm bad at phone, as you yeah. know, but uh, it makes me feel like I still hear about what's going on. Thanks. Uh, as does this. So this is very. Pleasant. Oh, also, no, uh, don't, don't don't listen to quick question. Ignore that. Fuck all that. Fuck that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll watch. Cut uh, it. Watch the the clue sketch that you guys did because I've watched it like four Hell fucking yeah, times dude. now since you put it out. And then I I, I watched Clue again last night because I I was like, well, it'd be weird if I watched the sketch again. So let me just watch Clue. And then I watched <gasps> Clue and then I watched the sketch again. Right. Just it's just very good. Oh, thank you, sir. Just, <laughs> right. I think Thanks, it's man. the best small beans thing thus far, personally. Yeah, we worked um, hard on it. Yeah. I uh I hadn't seen the clue movie and I this is so stupid. But I decided not to because I didn't want it to taint my writing of the script. And now that we've shot it, I realize I should fucking watch Clue. You, have you never watched it's Clue a good before movie. in your entire I've life? Never seen okay. Clue in any uh, form. <laughs> That's even why I directed I, it though. Yeah, because even I though it was on Comedy Clue. Central uh constantly in when I was the right age, I always change the Okay, I'm I'm booking myself now for a future episode for when you watch Clue because I fucking love Clue. It's a de- divisive Ooh, movie. A lot a of people one. hate Clue, and le- yeah. like there's there's not a lot of middle ground. It's people who love Clue and people who hate Clue, and I'm on the love side. And I can't believe you've never seen it before. And I want you to watch it. And I want to talk about it. I can't it. believe that either. Yeah, I actually discounted it because I, it was on Comedy Central so often. You know what I mean? Like I assumed it couldn't be that good of a film. Uh, no, it ran. Do you guys remember that it ran on Comedy yeah, Central? Yeah, I mean, all it, the it ran on Comedy time. Central yeah. around the same time that like Wet Hot American Summer was running around Comedy Central uh, all the time. I was just like, I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Comedy yeah. Central had some some good shit. All right, okay. Yeah. So next time, save clue. it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, save it for next Got time. It. One day we won't be allowed to make fun of the New Jersey accent, <laughs> and there just won't oh, yeah. be anything for me to do. <laughs> It's like fat people than yeah. that, and we're out. We can talk about this. Well, I'm not. Never mind. Oh, really? Yeah, is that a real never mind? Yeah, sure All right, is. never mind. Guys, I think we knocked it out of the park. I think we killed it. It was hella fun, and I hope Zach is pleased with his purchase. Thank you all for listening to these random diatribes, and uh, I guess, yeah, bye. Bye bye. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!